This audio presentation is brought to you by the Baptist Missionary Association Theological Seminary from our regular weekday chapel service. BMA Seminary provides accredited theological education for equipping God's people for Christ-centered service and leadership roles. We are committed to the authority and inerrancy of the Holy Scriptures and to making disciples for Jesus Christ. For more information about the BMA Seminary, go to bmats.edu or call toll-free 800-259-5673. Good morning. I love to hear the saints singing so loudly. Uh, I tell you, you know, our church, we have somewhat of a mix of singing a few of the more contemporary type of worship songs, but nothing beats a a hymnal. Nothing beats those songs of old. And then being reminded of the story we do have to tell. It's so easy for us to become complacent about it, isn't it? Easy for us to just find other things to busy our days. Very thankful this morning to Dr. Holmes for the invitation to come and speak to you and to open God's Word and to study together the opportunity to grow in His Word with one another, to strengthen each other, to sharpen one another. We can go out from this place and be the light into the darkness of the world around us. Last night, uh, every Monday evening, we have a time. As a group of men, we meet at the church and we have a time where we share a word from the Lord, and then we just come to the altar and pray for a season. I love the fact that we didn't just move through a prayer this morning as seminary students just to to get on with the day, but we took time. We came before the throne. We we opened our hearts, laid them bare to Him, and, and it's always a sweet time when we gather as men at our church to pray like that. I mean, we get down to the intimate details Begging the Spirit to use us to do what only He can do. To remove ourselves out of the way. Because in my own strength, I think I can handle it. I think I can do it. I think I can wear the belt for a while. Take the reins. Oh, only to mess it up. Only to send things awry and come crawling back, begging God to restore it and fix it and move on. Well, this morning we draw our attention to Mark chapter 4. Now I know that it would have seemed very simple to go to the first few verses that Dr. Holmes read this morning, the sower and the soils. Why, we would all know that one. That would be just an easy sermon to put together. Uh, But through praying and seeking the Lord's plan in this morning, uh, He's moved us over. Down to verses 26 through 29 this morning. I do love the fact that Jesus spoke in parables. Because it's it's like grace and mercy to non-believers when he spoke in parables. Because had, had he just spoken in plain English, that there would have been no reason for them not to understand any of it. Oh, the amount of judgment that would have just been heaped upon them for their unbelief. The, 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 the immense amount of extra judgment placed on them. But because he spoke in the ways he did, because he taught in these mysterious and secretive ways, his grace and mercy shielded them just a bit. Could you imagine 
how terrible it is to not know Christ, first of all, but how, how much greater that would be to have heard the truths plainly spoken and yet still walk away. This past Sunday night, I spoke on uh, Mark chapter 10. We're working right now through the Gospel of John. Phenomenal, phenomenal study. Great opportunity for us to walk through. Lining up with where we were, we were in Mark chapter 10, and we saw the rich young ruler there. A young man that came running, despite the embarrassment of running as a dignified person, falling on his face before the Christ, and asking a question, what must I do to be saved? Now, it was interesting in there that never once does Jesus give him the answer to that question. Never once does Jesus just say, hey, believe. Hey, just believe. (laughs) No, Jesus confronts his idea of good. Jesus confronts this young man on his idols, taking all ten commandments, breaking every one of them in his heart and in his thoughts. Coming down to the point where the man is just moments away, just, just at the threshold of salvation, and says he sadly walks away grieving. He heard the truth, but he couldn't understand it. He thought he was good. You know, we're going to find that in our ministries as we go out into the world, as we witness to the world, as we teach and as we preach. As we go out into the mission field, we're going to find over and over and over again, we're going to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to present the message open, clear, the truth. And more times than not, we're going to have people turn away grieving because the cares of the world are too much to give up. Because the flesh calls too loudly to die to it. Because Satan's grasp is just too strong to break in their lives. And they're going to walk away. And if we're not careful, we can become so discouraged by that. We can get to a spot where where we just say, what's the point? I can remember my times in seminary. Um, We had a, a, a gentleman there that... He believed, as a student, he believed that if someone was going to get saved, they're going to get saved. We have no need to send missionaries. We have no need to proclaim the gospel. Why? If God is completely sovereign, then he'll just do it. Then why is all of this written in here? Go and tell. Go and speak. Go and proclaim. See, we've got to go out and proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. There's going to be more that turn away than turn to. And it's going to get discouraging. It's going to become hard. We're going to sow. We're going to throw that seed out as we read this morning in the first parts of Mark chapter 4. And it's going to fall on the stony ground. And and Satan is just going to snatch it away. We're going to sow the seed out. And it's going to fall on the rocky soil. And it's going to spring up for a moment. It's going to spring up for a time. But then the flesh is going to come in and say, oh, my stuff's more important. We're going to sow the seed. We're going to throw it out. And it's going to fall out there in and begin to grow. And here come the weeds growing up all around it, choking it out. Oh, the world it calls to us. And its cares were much greater than following Christ for all. But be reminded there's that fourth soil. (laughs) There's going to be a fourth soil. We're going to sow. And it's going to be the soil that the Spirit has cultivated, that the Spirit has has broken up and is prepared and the seed's going to grow 
it's going to take root. And souls are going to be saved. So as we go out, as we proclaim the message, as we sow the seed, may we not become discouraged. As you go out into ministry, don't be discouraged. When they turn away, they're lost. They can't understand unless the Spirit guides them. So we come here to these four verses in Mark. Verses 26 through 29. This parable of the seed is only found here in Mark's gospel. It's not in the others. But I think it's a key little short parable for us to understand this morning. And and maybe not understand for the first time. but, But grasp again. And hold on to. And grow through. We could summarize the... The message this morning I titled it, God brings the growth, but even better than that, we can just entitle the whole thing, when the seed takes root, there will be fruit. So we may not know how God is working in the lives that we're witnessing to, but we can be sure of this, He is working. We don't have to wonder, oh, I wonder if He, no, He is. We just may not understand it all. We may not see everything taking place. Let's listen here as we read Mark chapter 4 verses 26 through 29, the parable of the seed. It says, and he was saying, this is Jesus continuing in his teaching time here, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows. How he himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Would you join me in prayer, Father? Come before you this morning. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to gather around your word this morning. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity we've had to sing these songs of old. To be reminded of how rich and how valuable the message is. The story we have to tell. And Lord, we come before you this morning. We ask that through your Spirit's work in our hearts and lives that you would help us to understand this passage this morning. And Father, beyond just mere mental understanding and intellectual Gain, Father, help us to apply it to our lives. Father, we would ask this morning that your spirit would convict us where we fall well short of carrying out your call to share the gospel to all. Lord, we pray this morning that we would be sensitive to those areas where we need to seek repentance and in faith truly turn away from sin patterns and problems in life. And Father, we pray this morning that as we study your word, as we gain truth, that you and you alone would receive the glory and the honor. And Father, we ask it this morning in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. We find this morning here in this passage two characteristics of the kingdom. And really, that's kind of the main overarching point of the morning. The two characteristics of the kingdom, two main points arise out of this. Now in it, we're going to find some some details that we're going to add and, and, and uh, draw out throughout the help of Scripture. But 
Overall, two characteristics that we find. I love what one commentator says about the parables of Jesus. He says there's no easy take-home message for us in these parables. Uh, Like Dr. Holmes said, it's not just a little illustration story time. They ask us, rather, these parables to engage our imaginations, to follow the possibilities and the incongruencies that we distinguish between a world where we see everything is planned out, linear, and logical to one that is filled with mystery and surprise into which the sovereign God draws us to. See, this parable certainly contains some mystery. It certainly contains surprise. But in these two characteristics on the kingdom, the first thing we find in verses 26 and 27 is the fact that we can sow the word, but we cannot make the word grow. So we, we get in our heads, and I, I come, he mentioned that I'm from Baptist Bible College. Uh, I come out of the fundamental independent world where um, man makes his choice. Uh, sometimes some would even say that man may help God with making the choice. And yet I stand before you this morning to wholeheartedly tell you, no, no, it is God that does every bit of it. Look, we can sow the word and that's our duty to go and sow. The kingdom of God is like a man casting seed upon the soil. Our job is to take this seed and to cast it out everywhere we can. To anyone we can. Family, friends, co-workers, neighbors. I tell our church, the lady that we check out with at Walmart, we're to share it with her as well. We're to take that seed everywhere. But guess what happens when the seed comes out of our hand or out of our mouths? That's really where our task and sowing the seed ends. That, that's where our part actually stops. Now, we have a host of praying to do. <laughs> we have a host of crying out to the Lord to do something with that. But as far as our task, that, that was it. He says the kingdom of God is like a man who goes out and sows his seed. He goes out, he sows his seed out. We have a lot of farming land right around our church and Every year, it just amazes me. Those farmers go out, they plow that hardened dirt. We've got terrible soil out there. They dig it up and they they churn in fertilizers and minerals and nutrients to, to prepare the soil. Then they go through and they've mathematically figured out how to get as much corn in, a, in an acre as they possibly can to get the maximum yield. And they, they lay it out just right. But you know what? After he gets done with that, you don't see the tractor, you don't see the farmer, you don't see the plow. For really two or three months sometimes. You don't see a watering can come out. He goes back home. Look, verse 27, he goes to bed. He gets up. And the seed sprouts and grows. I would imagine that most farmers, they go back home and they just start praying for the next two or three months. God, let it rain. Please, God, grow it. But wait, isn't that what we're to do when we go out and sow the seed? We go out and we sow the seed of the word of God and then we... Fall on our faces. God, do something with that. God, grow it. God, may it take root. Father, don't let it be on hard ground that Satan's going to snatch it away. Father, don't let it fall on the rocky soil where it springs up in excitement and enthusiasm and is only choked out all of a sudden because the flesh beckons back to the world. Oh, Father, don't allow it to fall into the the ground that's full of the weeds and it gets choked out because the cares of here and now are too much to give up. God, would you prepare the soil 
That should be our cry. That should be our heart. But God, God, prepare the soil now. May your spirit infiltrate through the death and the darkness of this human. To bring life. See, there's many believers who are just perpetually plowing. Never scattering seed. Constantly just going through and plowing. Isaiah 28 battles us on this. Verses 24 and 25. It says, when a farmer plows for planting, does he plow continually? Does he keep on breaking up and harrowing the soil? No. When he's leveled the surface, what does he do? He sows caraway and he sows cumin. And he goes back and he harvests when it's time. He doesn't just continue to break up the soil. I had a man in my office this, uh, just yesterday afternoon talking about um, church membership and, and salvation, just discussing several things with him and he made mention that he had gone to a, a church invitation to some men's event, some dinner that he had gone to. And he said, while there, everybody's got their Bibles, they're all ready, right, to hear the word, to, to gain some truth. And he said that the speaker, the, the leader of, of that particular church, said, now listen, we want you to invite people, we want you to, to tell them to come to this or to come to this event, to come to that activity. But listen, we don't want you to go out there and bombard them with the gospel. But maybe they'll come and they'll, they'll join us in this activity. They'll, they'll hear this thing take place. And maybe two or three de- years down the road, they'll come to a Bible study and, and hear the word. Two or three years. The conclusion that my friend and I came to, this man that was in my office, was how many are going to cast off into eternal hell in those two or three years? Because we didn't share the gospel yet. Listen, I know what it's like to be in seminary and you're bombarded day in and day out by these godly teachers who are seeking to impart truth in you, to are seeking to, to help you grow theologically and spiritually. And it can become so routine. It can just become, you know, secondhand. Okay, yes, here we are at chapel again. Great. I know I was that way at times. It's easy to sit through a class and then to get done and think, and now another Bible study? But I've got a sermon to prepare. But I've got a Sunday school lesson to get ready for. But I've got a sermon that I've got to preach in class in another week or two. It's easy to become complacent in the things of God when we're surrounded every day by it. But may we never forget, just outside of our little circle is a dark world dying, casting off into hell by the droves. What is it, every eight seconds someone dies? The majority of those going to eternal punishment? And so we're called here, go and cast the seed, go and sow it. See, look, we, we sow the seed, but, but we're not the ones that make it grow. We're not the ones that, that cause anything to germinate or take place. After the ground has been cultivated, after it's been fertilized, we can do nothing beyond that once we sow the seed out, once we throw it out there. No matter how much we uh, worry about it, no matter how much we dwell upon it, we, we can't make it grow. There are many in our world that think they can by just getting you to say this prayer, just getting you to say these right things. Answer a few questions. Come down to the front. Bow your knee here and and you'll be saved. Just repeat after me and you'll be saved. No, we can't make it happen. See, when good seed goes into good soil, though, we, we know good things are going to happen. 
when good seed goes into good soil, good things happen. It's going to take place. Notice what he goes on to say here. The latter part of verse 27 says, according here to this last phrase, that the man, the, the, the farmer, the sower doesn't know how it's going to happen, how it, how it takes place. Uh, my translation and, and the way that the Greek uh, states it is how he himself does not know. <laughs> the man goes and the, the seed sprouts up and it grows. And how? Farmer doesn't even know. Farmer doesn't have a clue. He just knows that if he cultivates the soil, if he plants the seed the proper way at, at, at approximately the right depth and he covers it up the right way and, he, and, and everything else just balances out, well, it'll grow something. Doesn't know how. You know, when we sow the seed, we don't know how it's going to take in someone's life. We don't know how it's going to germinate, how it's going to f- come forward out of them. We don't know how that's going to work. We don't know whether we've sown onto those three bad soil types or if we've hit the good fertile soil with it. But our job is to sow. Our job is to take the word of God to a lost and dying world. It's some, boy, I preach this to our church all the because it's so easy. We go out and we just assume, well, we bring them to church and they'll get saved. We'll bring them into church. We'll, we'll somehow, we'll, we'll get them to come to our Bible study and then they'll get saved. No, he's commissioned us to go. And proclaim the truth. He's commissioned believers at large to go out. Not just the pastor. Not just the missionary. Not just the Sunday school teacher. Everyone who's a believer in Christ. Is to proclaim and seed the, uh, sow the seed. So in this first point. May we understand that our part is to sow. And then may we take our hand off and allow God to do the work that he needs to do in their lives. May we not just beat them to death. Should we continually check? Yes, absolutely. I had a man in a church that I was student pastor at. Anytime he saw a visitor, he would corner that person in the church, but literally corner them. Put a hand on either side of the corner and hold them there until some decision for Christ was made. Uh, most of the time, out of fear for their lives, they just would make some confession. They would just, oh yes, I believe, absolutely, just get me out of this. If we're not careful, we can be that way. But we sow that seed and we, we back off. We allow the Lord to do what only He can do. We allow the Spirit of God to infiltrate that heart as only He can do. We don't know how He's going to do it. We don't know when He's going to do it. We don't know where He's going to do it, but He's going to do it. If we will be faithful to sow. After establishing the necessity of the new birth, Jesus tells Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that there's a sense of mystery about the Spirit. Notice what he says here, John chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. You should not be surprised at my saying that you must be born again. Remember, Nicodemus was wondering, what does that mean? He says, the wind blows where it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell from where it comes or where it's going. He says, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. We don't know who they are. Our job is to sow the seed. Our job is to get the word out. See, if someone were to ask us to explain exactly how the new birth works. Now, in here we may have a little better shot at it. <laughs> but on, a, on a, just a general basis, if we just asked, how, the, how does the whole salvation process take place? 
We could come up with several points, but we could debate all day how they all work out, step one to step eight or step ten. or Several of them happen instantly together. Some of them happen right back to back. We almost can't see it. But if we were to ask, how exactly does all of this happen? We, we would struggle a bit. The, the point is, when we've experienced the new birth, we'll know it's taking place in us. And really and truly, what we're going to find in, in the next point is that when that new birth takes place in someone we've sowed the seed, sowed the seed in, we'll see it. it it'll show. It, it'll, it'll show clearly, just like crops growing out of the ground. How do you know which seeds took? Well, there's something green coming out of the ground where they were put. So notice here, what's true in an agricultural setting is we find true in the spiritual world. The beginning is often insignificant. Right, it's just a little seed. But what we see next is that spiritual progress does happen and it does finally become evident. Notice what he says, growth is slow, but it will eventually show. Verse 28 and even into verse 29, he says, the soil produces crops by itself. Then he mentions them. First the blade comes up and then you've got the 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 bloom or the flower or that that head begins to form and then this mature grain this mature fruit now puts on and notice what happens verse 29 and immediately when it's time when the crop permits immediately the farmer goes out farmer doesn't sit around and think well maybe not just yet maybe i could just get a little bit darker coloring on that wheat before i harvest it you know if they wait one day too long it's an entire crop ruined it says immediately when it's time, he goes out and he harvests. Growth is slow, but it eventually does show forth. Now notice it says that it's by itself. This word from the Greek by itself, we get the word automatic today. It's this idea of being self-acting and without a visible cause. It, it just happens. Put a seed in the ground and 10 to 12 days later, something's coming out of it. Something happens within it. Something transforms and, and it begins to push out. And bring forth life. Just like a seed germinates out of sight, so too the seed of the gospel begins to grow before it shows itself. I read the other day of, a, of a, an Egyptian tomb that they had uncovered from thousands of years ago. There was a seed inside of it. And one of the scientists actually took that seed, planted it into the ground, and it grew. Thousands of years later, I didn't even think that'd be possible. You know why something grew out of that? Because in the seed, there was life. Look, in the soil itself, there's not life. It can be cultivated, it can be prepared, but until the seeds drop, there's no, no life within that soil. But when the seed got dropped, there was life in that seed. There is life in the seed. I hope you believe that this morning. I'm sure you do, or probably wouldn't be sitting in this school <laughs> there's life in this seed and in fact it's the only life that lost man can ever receive but we have to sow it and when we sow it it's going to take a while there are times it takes years <laughs> but not because we didn't share the word and hopefully they just catch it like the one guy thought but because we've sown it and the lord is doing his work in them the Lord's bringing them to the place He wants them to be in order for that life to burst forth. I love what 1 Peter one twenty three says about the seed of the word of the Lord. 
It says, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is living and active. It's alive. It's not just a group of stories, as some so foolishly claim. See, the word of God goes out on purpose and with a purpose. According to Isaiah 55, 11, it says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Boy, everything that comes out from the Lord is going to be productive. Not a thing is going to turn back as a bad seed, a bum deal. So while germination may be spontaneous, growth is always going to be a gradual thing. It's going to take some time. There's going to be a gradual growth coming. Verse 28, the latter part describes the stages there of growth. And and, uh, this points to the fact that once connected to Christ, there there should be a constant growing in us. And boy, if I could just encourage you today in all of your studies and all of your papers and all of your stuff you're doing for your degree, for for your program, whatever it is, oh, would you continue to examine that you're growing personally and spiritually, not just mentally, right? Not just in this intellectual ascent to gain more head knowledge, but heart knowledge, truly applying what you're hearing and learning to your heart to ensure that you're living out a godly life. Ensuring that you continually have that right soil in your life. Not to receive salvation again, but to continue the growth. To continue cultivating and maturing. Had a guy one time tell me that that he had arrived. He had arrived. I've learned it all. Okay. So, I don't really know what I can teach you then. (laughs) Really don't know what I can tell you. Listen, we never arrive. We never reach spiritual maturity to the point we don't need to continually grow. We never reach a point where we never continually need to check, am I living for God alone today? We never reach a spot in our lives where we don't need to say, where's sin creeping in? Where am I becoming complacent? Oh, what a great point about the songs. It's so easy. Where am I just becoming flippant about the things of God because I've just heard them so long and it's just so easy to go on? Another side to that, though, while we need to continue striving in our growth, while we need to ensure that we're continuing to grow and mature, we also must come together and hold each other accountable to grow. Something I see lacking in so many of our churches today is this lack of accountability. Nobody wants to bring up a problem going on. Nobody wants to bring out a brother or a sister who's trapped up in a sin or some struggle issue. Uh, oh, but if I do that, then they're going to say, well, what about you? Well, isn't that kind of the point? <laughs> to grow together? To, to spurn one another on? What does he say? Iron sharpens iron, right? We, we grow together in this. We strive to be set apart fully to God. See, spiritual growth happens as we do our part, and God guarantees to do His, and this growth is a continual lasting process so just to to move us in this for just a moment a few of the truths about spiritual growth 
from, from within here where he talks about the blade coming in the head and then the mature grain to kind of put a, a spiritualness into that. Draw a little extra from it this morning. Just a few truths about our spiritual growth. Hey, number one, and I know we know this, but we have to always remember, it's natural for a Christian to grow. You know that. But here's the thing, there's a lot that don't. There are many that I've talked to, oh, oh, I got saved 30-some years ago. Really? Well, how's your life now? Well, I'm saved. But what's different today than it was 30 years ago? Well, uh, I'm a good person. Mm. Look, it should be natural to grow. You look at the, the first church over in Acts. Daily they met in homes. Daily. Well, we would think that would be, that for us today, that's just radical to think of the things they did. They met in houses daily for hours just to look at the Word of God and pray and have a meal together? Absolutely. And it was perfectly normal for them. For so many people that are going to be in our churches, an hour and a half on a Sunday is almost too much. Oh, just give it to me and let me go. Just give it to me and let me get on. But it's normal for us to be growing. It's normal. And, and the next thing we find is that growth is not instantaneous. It's not something where we get saved and all of a sudden we're spiritual giants. For those of you that have been saved a while, you know that. There's days where you feel like you're moving backwards faster than you're going any direction. The growth is not instantaneous. Oswald, uh, J. Oswald Sanders writes, The temper of our time is for instant gratification and short-term commitment. Quick answers to prayer, quick results with minimum effort and discomfort. But there is no such thing as easy and instant discipleship. One can commence a walk of discipleship in a moment, but the first step must lengthen to a lifetime walk. Well, isn't that true? And that's what Jesus, throughout his Gospel of John, throughout that writing, that's what Jesus is calling his disciples to. It's going to be hard. You're going to face tribulation. You're going to face persecution. He even drops the bomb on them that... Y'all are going to die because of the gospel. But then he tells them in chapter 16, verse 33 there, he says, but don't be overcome by the world. Don't be overcome by all this. Have peace. I've overcome the world. Have peace. Be courageous. Don't worry about it because you're in me. There should be constant and consistent growth taking place. It's not instant. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of work after you leave here. In fact, you're going to leave here and realize how much you still didn't know. See, kingdom growth is detected only at certain stages because we're, we're not seeing change in our lives from day to day. We're not, we're not constantly aware and seeking. But when compared to what we used to be, there ought to be visible change evidence. 2 Peter 3.18, grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Be intentional about your growth. Be intentional about it. Ask yourself questions. Maturity doesn't just come, right, just by just overnight happenstance. It doesn't come by just sitting in one of these certain professors' classroom for a semester or two or three. It comes over a lifetime of growth, this maturity. Ask yourself questions. Do I love God more today than I loved Him yesterday? Am I striving to make Him known more in my life today than yesterday? Do I love people around me more because of the gospel and the desire for them to know God more than I did yesterday? Ask yourself, is there fruit in my life that I'm in Christ? 
And you say, man, I'm, I'm a believer. I understand. We still ought to ask ourselves this daily. Is there fruit? Is it clearly evident today that I'm in Christ? Is there an attitude that I need to change and remove? Is there a sin I need to confess? Is there some person I need to go and forgive or seek reconciliation with? Be intentional about your growth. Be intentional. You know, I found that it is a lot easier if you go out, if you garden, and you go out and have the weeds start to come up. It's a lot easier to pull those weeds when they're tiny and small than to let them grow a while and bloom out and then to pull them. The same is true in our lives. If we're consistently cultivating, if we're consistently seeking that growth and we're consistently maturing in our walk with Christ, when those weeds come up, we can pluck them out so much easier than we would let them take root. And, and if we would just allow ourselves to be accountable to one another, others may see that weed even before we see it and can call that out on us in a loving manner can exhort us and encourage us to do a little weeding so that we can continue to grow and mature well let's bring this all around let's bring it all down we see the two principles of the kingdom we see that that we sow it is god that does the the, the growing, the, the actual doing and the maturing of that seed. And we, we find that it's growth that is gradual, but a hopefully consistent pattern. We've seen several ways of steps in, in truths in growing spiritually. But now we come down into verse 29 to really catch the last bit here. And it's the work of the word of God. Notice what happens here. When the crop permits... He immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. See, God does his work through the seed of his, of his word. In Luke 17, uh, 20 and 21 it says, The kingdom of God does not come with our careful observation, nor will people say, Oh, here it is. Oh, here, this is it. He says, Because the kingdom of God is within us. It comes as we share the word of God, it goes out. It, there's not a lost person in the world. I, well, maybe I shouldn't say that, but... Shouldn't be, probably isn't a lost person in the world that's ever just going to open this up and gain all the truth they need to come to salvation. Just go, oh, wow, there it is. Because they can't spiritually discern what this word says. That's the whole point of Jesus' parables, like we mentioned this morning already. To, to shadow, kind of cover the intimate truths and realities of who Christ is, to, to shroud the truth of salvation so that those that are, were never intended to be saved would not incur a greater judgment than they already have on themselves. And so by our witness and by our testimony, more than just word, but by how we live even, we proclaim out that seed. And then we allow God to do the work that only He can do. And through His word, He does some incredible work. Through his word, he does immense things. You know, I've challenged our church. We've studied through the book of Acts. And there, when 3,000 are getting saved in one day, could you imagine those days again? And we think, well, that was back then. It was, it was brand new back then. Guess what? The word of God is brand new to a soul that's never understood it before in his or her life. And why couldn't there be 3,000 saved in a day? Why couldn't there be 5,000? Why couldn't there be daily Coming together in fellowship and, admin, and, and, and encouragement of the Lord. 
begging the Spirit to do an immense work through us, in us, to the world around us. Why not? The Word does the work and He does it with swiftness. He does it with perfect, perfect order. May we keep our hearts and minds focused on the eternal plan of God rather than the temporal things that go on. Things are going to fall apart. Things are going to go bad. Problems are going to happen. Notice what he says in John chapter 4. Do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, now this is Jesus. Let me stop. This is Jesus right after he's interacted with the Samaritan woman, right? And and the disciples think that Jesus is probably um, dehydrated and famished and delirious because he hasn't had enough food to eat as he's been sitting through this hot journey they've been taking. But what happens? This woman runs back and she tells the people in her land, in her area, of what has just been told to her. And what Jesus is telling them here as they're trying to tell him, oh, you need to calm down. Why in the world were you talking to a Samaritan woman? Well, you know, that's against our rules. That's against our ways. We don't do those kinds of things. Jesus says, listen to me. Look up. Look up and see the fields. He has them look up and see this drove of people coming out of the city to them. They didn't even have to go to the field to harvest it. The field was coming to them. Notice he says, the fields are here. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now the har- uh, he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Listen, the harvest is all around us. We're to go out and sow the seed, but don't miss out on the ones that are ready to harvest. Don't become so hard in the number that Turn away and reject and walk away grieving that we miss out on the ones that are ready. The ones that do call out. See, God does His work silently. He does it slowly, but He does it very surely. Matthew 24 says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. The end is around the corner. The days are drawing short. We've got to cast the seed. And we've got to prepare for the harvest. To go out and reap. Even what we didn't necessarily sow. All to the glory and the honor of God. Close with a pastor. From a sermon from over 40 years ago. He writes these words very fitting for us today. There is the process which is going on secretly underneath all the confusion and the hoorah and hoopla of the world. Beneath all the political shenanigans and maneuverings of governments, within and above and beyond and beneath and around all the structures of society, this seed is growing secretly. God is producing his great and final harvest and it will come to pass exactly as he says. How encouraging it ought to be for us that this seed grows secretly both in our lives and in the entire world. God has not failed and the church has not failed. It cannot fail, he says. Oh, there are a lot of scaffoldings and physical structures, a lot of human organization and trappings all around the church which have falsely identified themselves as the church that are rotting and crumbling and falling to pieces. 
But this is not the building God is building in this age, nor the seed that he has sown, nor the seed that he is producing. The seed is growing into a harvest exactly as the Lord Jesus said it would. And it will increase as we allow that seed to be planted in our hearts and God will give the increase. See, it is our duty, it is our responsibility, it is our calling to carry out the gospel and to seek the harvesting of souls which God has prepared for that day. It is my calling, it is your calling. It is the calling of every believer. I truly believe we are in exciting days as true believers of Jesus Christ. Exciting days ahead of us with the harvest coming in. But we are going to sadly miss out on all of this if we fail to focus on the eternal work of God, what He has called us to do in reaching out to lost souls with the seed of the gospel. So may we go out. May we sow. May we pour our hearts out that the Spirit would do His work and then we'll be ready to harvest. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we're so thankful for our time today, God, to...